This is Speaking of Speaking. Quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Yes, and welcome back to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Here we are right smack dab into season four, and I am so thrilled to bring back one of our guests from last season who, you know, he really opened my mind when we got talking about neuro-linguistic programming. But today, my guest again is Paul Ross. Paul Ross, by the way, just to give you a quick reminder, he is an author, speaker, trainer, master hypnotist, master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And he spent a lot of his life talking to audiences, sales professionals, speakers, trainers, coaches, and really helping them, well, be better at what they do through knowing better what they should be saying. That's probably not the best way to say that, Paul. That's a great way to say I think that's fantastic. You forgot something in my biography there. Oh, what did I forget? They can't see it, but I have these fantastic curls. Just look at them. <laughs> He's been growing his hair out for how long? We don't know. But anyway, Oh, Paul- I haven't had haircut in about four months, which is radical for me because my hair grows like you wouldn't believe. So. Better I, than mine. Mine doesn't so- grow. It's so I can see it's so sad. We're not doing a video. All the ladies would like be finding a way to ping me and get my pics because I'm so hot. We'll make sure we drop your contact information at the end, though, in case the ladies do want to reach out to you. All right. right. One of the things I've noticed, Paul, and I want to do a deep dive into this today is and I do want to talk about sales. We spent a lot of time last time talking about neurolinguistic programming. One of the things I've noticed in recent months in attending a lot of virtual summits, a lot of online stuff is people, and I know that's painting everyone with the same brush. So, you know, coaches, consultants, business professionals, even the ones I work with are kind of stuck in this mode of if I'm selling, I have to put on a certain persona and I have to make it sound like I'm selling. And this is probably nothing new to you when I say this, but is this a problem that people who are you know, selling think, have? Yeah, I think there's a larger problem. And the larger problem is that all the sales trainers <laughs> and all the sales programs are copying each other. There's not a lot of, well, there are some innovators, but they're more in the field of negotiation. And so mostly the sales trainings out there are copying each other. And yeah, there is the misperception that you have to sound like a salesperson, mm-hmm. whatever that means. You have to have a sort of charm, a sort of charisma. I don't think that's very useful. In fact, I think that may scare your prospects away. I think a real good salesperson is perceptive, can see where the other person's state of mind is going. It's sort of like being a magician. My nephew, Seth, is a magician in Las Vegas. And he said, Uncle Paul, everything I do is done with deliberateness and it's designed to create the next effect. So if I wave my hand, I'm not waving my hand as a wasted motion. It's Mm -hmm. designed to get their attention. And that attention is designed to move them to yet another place in their mind. So I think a salesperson to be effective has to have a combination of being deliberate in their communication, knowing where they want to lead or even drive their prospect. And at the same time, being perceptive of where their prospect is and knowing how to be of service. So there's a false dichotomy that you're either aiming for your own outcome or you're aiming for what will serve the prospect and you always have to be authentic. That's the worst possible advice. I say selling is really about leadership. And if you can't suggest, you can't lead. 
So for me, it's service times suggestion equals leadership. And we can dive deep into what I mean by those things. Paul, I definitely want to get to that for sure. But before I do that, or before I let you do that deeper dive, I want to ask you this question. Do you think part of the problem is, is that we're still calling it sales? We're still saying, oh, I'm a salesperson. Do we think that there's maybe that psychological? Call it, I like to think, look, I think sales is actually a heroic and can be a healing thing for the person you're selling to. But if you don't like the term salesperson, think of yourself as a decision service technician because you're never selling your sales or product or service. You're always selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. So think of yourself as I'm a decision service technician because nowadays I think particularly when it comes to any investment beyond maybe 250 bucks, people are very wary, very cautious, and they doubt their own ability to make a good decision. And not without good cause. Look, nowadays, your prospect is far more distracted. They have far too many options. They have the attention span of a gnat. Your audience can't see it, but I'm holding up a cell phone, a smartphone. This is one of the most dangerous blocks to your being an effective salesperson or coach or marketer. Because we have Instagram on this, Facebook instant messaging, WhatsApp, you name it. And it's all coming through this thing. And I check my phone, you know, when I'm sitting on the toilet, I'm just going to be real with you. And so your prospect is not able to pay attention the way they used to. They just can't do it. So it's not enough to get the prospect to know, like, and trust you. That's required. It's necessary. You now have to get them to trust themselves, to trust their own ability to make a great decision. So let's talk about this selling is about leadership, this service time suggestion equals leadership. Let's uncover that a little bit more. Yeah. So for me, selling is about creating states of consciousness. This is really, so as you're listening to this and you're following along with me, I want to encourage you to take a moment. And recognize you can get excited when you hear something that's a little bit off the wall. Because I like to, as you know, having had me as a guest before, I like to disconnect the dots, color outside the lines, and get people really thinking. That's why we brought you back. That's why you brought me back. like to break the mold a little bit. I love to break the mold. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, selling is about creating states of consciousness. What do I mean by that? Well, look at it like this way. I have a stream of electric current. I want to conduct that electric current. I've got two conductive mediums, a sheet of cardboard, a sheet of gold foil. Which one of those, it's not a trick question, is going to conduct that electricity? The sheet of foil. That's right, the gold foil. So think of your marketing or your sales message as being that current. And the prospect state of mind, your audience state of mind, whatever your platform is, as being that conductive medium. Do you want them in the cardboard state of being distracted, of not believing you, of not trusting themselves? Or do you want them in those gold foil states of being totally focused on you, viewing you as a trusted leader, believing that they can make a good decision? So I say before you think of the details of whatever it is you're going to be presenting, First, think, how do I create the states of mind in the prospect so to receive that message in a lot more receptive way? And the way to do that is through the power of suggestion. That's how you do it. As a hypnotist, 
I have taken the power of suggestion, structuring chains of suggestion, and layering it into the sales process so you can create those states of consciousness and move people forward very, very quickly. And I'll unpack it with some exact languaging in a minute. So they can reach the conclusion for themselves that they want to buy. I'm interested to find out about that language because I think that's where, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where salespeople do get hung up is yeah. they get caught in the weeds of the language of, I know I've got a great product or I know I have a great service. It's what they're saying or the language that they're using yeah. that isn't getting them the results. Exactly. So let me give you, this is going to sound crazy, but I have trained someone who works a phones, who owns a phone sales room. His business is doing outbound phone sales, which is really difficult. But he used this, I think it's two phrases that I created, and it goes like this. Before we begin this exploration together today, I just wanted to invite you to please share the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. Let's look at that language. These are what I call implied togetherness words. They imply a relationship without stating it. If I stated it directly, if I said, I'm going to be your leader, you're going to believe what I say, trust me, trust yourself, and come to the conclusion that you want to buy today, what would my prospect tell me to do? Go pound salt. Pound sand, <laughs> pound this <laughs> desandus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so look at this language. Before we, we implies that we're doing it together I'm before we begin this exploration. An exploration is an activity you do with someone, but here's the really cool thing. Here's the suggestion embedded inside the suggestion. For every exploration, there must be a leader. And for every leader, there must therefore be a follower. Exactly. So inside of the implication that you're sharing an activity together is the implication, the suggestion that you are their leader and they're going to follow you. Before we begin this exploration together today, together, that's obviously a suggestion that's togetherness, not something you're presenting to them, but mm -hmm. something you're doing with them. I invite you, let's look at the word invite. An invitation, an invite, when you invite someone, it's implying that you're the person who holds the value, correct? Right. You right. see that positioning? Yeah. I invite you to please ask the questions. I didn't say ask. I said share the questions. Uh -huh. Ah, that naturally arise. And now here's the really clever part, Carl. When a great decision is being made, you see how vague that is? In neurolinguistic programming, we call this a lost performative, meaning there's no statement of who's doing the activity. I said a great decision is being made. Did I say who's making the great decision? No. Did I say when the decision is going to be made? No. Or why or how or what the great decision is going to be? Is it not implied, though? That it's, it's, well, it's, hold on. Hold okay, on a second. Right. So the principle is don't make the message clear. Everyone says, make the message clear, stay in rapport. And I nope. say, no, there are times when you don't want to make the message clear because when you leave it vague and blank, the prospect will fill in the blank for themselves. And remember this principle I teach, whatever you can get the prospect to imagine for themselves will be perceived by them as being their own idea. And therefore they will not, and in fact, cannot resist it. 
Does that make sense? It does make sense. But you realize, and I know you do, that totally defies to a certain degree speaker training 101 because speaker training 101 is make your message clear. Sometimes. Which is good to a point. But what you're saying as part of the sales process, we might need to unpack it differently. Not might. We do need to unpack it. There are times when you should not make the message clear. There are times to confuse the prospect and break by breaking rapport. I want to break rapport sometimes. See, I like to tackle ideas that are held as sacred and holy and iconic. When I was a little kid, I was sassing my mom. And my mom said, Paul, if you don't knock it off, you're going to grow up to be an iconoclast. I said, what's that, mommy? She said, that's someone who goes around kicking over other people's sacred ideas and really pissing them off. I said, yeah, I want to grow up to be an iconoclast. How do I do that? And so mom's prophecy is fulfilled as all Jewish moms can cast their sons. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it's true. But here's the thing. I think you hit the nail on the head there that we've been programmed. This is how we do this. This is how we make a sale. This is how we get people into our camp, regardless of whether it's a paid item or a free item or whatever it is. But if we're not using the right language, we're not even connecting the way we should be, let alone making the sale. Absolutely correct. And I would add to that, I would just add to that, if we don't understand how suggestion works, if we don't understand the principles behind how these words work, then the words won't have the same power. They will work. I've had plenty of people I've trained just memorize the words I give them and they do great. It's the people who understand the principles who do even better. So one of the principles if I can share is to break rapport and confuse your prospect. Now, that really is violating all the rules of traditional sales. And people are probably thinking, okay, this intrigues me. Prove it, Paul. Let's give an example when we handle objections. One of the most common objections is, I need more time to think it over. Correct? Yep. Yep. What are some of the common ways to handle that objection that you've heard? Well, some of the common ways that I've heard are, for example, back in the day when I worked in financial services, the one of the ways we handled it was we would say, okay, well, that's fine. You certainly give you the time you need, but while you're thinking about it, we can start the process for you, even sweeten the deal by saying something like, you know, we actually don't even start taking any money out of your bank account until da, 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 da. So it kind of sweetens the deal a little bit. So that's one for sure (laughs) that comes to mind. That's not bad, but I want to shake them up a bit before I say that. So I would really break rapport and confuse them by saying, let me ask you a question. Have you ever taken a long time to think something over and it still turned out to be a horrible decision? Now, right then and there, their brain goes flip and you've just taken the objection and connected it to pain so they can no longer hold on to it. And now they're in a state of confusion and you can redefine it. You can say maybe it's not about time, but about the clarity you're seeking and you need to recognize you can move forward today. So thinking about it like that, as we continue to share, what do we really need to address and get out on the table so you can find yourself making a great decision? Now, I just embedded so many things in that. I, you can hear my joy in doing this. I love this stuff. I almost used another word instead of stuff, but I didn't want to get bleeped. I used the phrase, find yourself. What does it mean to find yourself doing something? Do you ever just find yourself 
inside the refrigerator looking at things and you don't even remember consciously what you were looking for when you walked over to it all the time i thought that was a sign of getting older you ever just find yourself falling in love that's an interesting question yeah all right was that consciously hmm because of that yeah yeah did you ever just find yourself falling out of love and thinking what the hell was i thinking so yeah uh uh-huh so as you're listening to me share all this delightful insights i want to invite your audience to recognize that i'm not talking about things that don't happen anyway i'm talking about a principle in hypnosis called incorporation and incorporation simply means if you know your client is going to display a certain behavior or a certain train of thought you're going to, I almost said hijack it. You're going to hijack it and point it in the direction that's useful for you and for the client. Because usually my view of people, not just clients and prospects, is they're on autopilot. They're sleepwalkers. They're doing what they do because they've always done what they do. And you come along and you have to interrupt those patterns. Just like I'm pattern interrupting the people listening to this. Like, <laughs> what the hell do you mean? Don't make the message clear. What the bleep are you talking about break yeah. report <laughs> thank you for bleeping yourself yeah all <laughs> ross is my guest today we are unpacking so much today talking about we're talking about sales but but a lot of this is the language too that we've been using since time in memoriam and that we probably should be asking ourselves should be we using that language or should we be finding as paul says disrupting <laughs> what we've been taught to make sure that we're getting the results that we want. I'm a very interruptive coach too. When I coach and I train, I'll interrupt. When I hear metaphors that don't work, like a client will say, well, I just hit a wall when I try to close the big money clients. And I'll say, really? I'll say, you hit a wall? Do they call the paramedics? And they'll laugh. They'll say, no, not that kind of wall. It's a mental wall. I say, really? You have a wall in your brain? What part of your brain is it in? They say, no, no, I just get stuck. But then I'll say, great. So I'll interrupt when I hear metaphors that don't work. When I hear someone say, I'm just not a big money closer. I just can't close the big ticket items. I'll say, really? So what you're saying to me is that up until now, you hadn't learned your amazing skills at closing big money clients. And by the way, there are no big money clients. Are you aware that there are only greater opportunities to serve? (laughs) Just totally brain fries. By the way, this is useful for dating. I'm a former dating coach. You said that last time. I remember mm-hmm. you said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yes. I do recall you unpacking that last time. So that's another thing that you just indicated. And I want to expand on this a little bit more if I can. As people level up, there's a saying, new level, new devil, when it comes mm-hmm. to mindset, when it comes to, oh my goodness, I don't think I'll be able to land a $10,000 client. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not worthy of that kind of money. What are some of the things that or some of the language that we should be either planning in our brains or that we, or some of the thought process we should be going through? As we're getting in front of 10, 20, $30,000 clients, sure. prospects that sure. we've never had before, perhaps. Sure. <laughs> I'm shameless. I know that I don't get paid by the hour. I get paid by the result. I get paid by the change. So mm. that's not a problem for me. I would say this. I would say there are no big ticket clients or big money opportunities or only greater opportunities to serve. That's number one. The next thing I like to use metaphors because metaphors are very powerful. So people say, well, that kind of client's out of my league. I'll say there's no one out of your league when you know how to step up to the plate. 
So I'll take their metaphor and I'll just utilize it, turn it right back on them. Paul, you are a disruptor. I love to disrupt. <laughs> when I was, look, I grew up in a family with five siblings and most of them were older than me. And we'd all sit around at the dinner table and have arguments and discussions. And so I had to get attention because most of them were older and more educated than me because I was a kid in grade school. My only way of doing it was to be the class clown at the dinner table. I had to calculate how far can I go without getting a sharp left jab from my mom? <laughs> <laughs> or staying on the line of not getting i make my mom sound like both an angel and a demon she was just a love she was amazing so was my dad he was a war hero fought the nazis in world war ii wow. and taught me really great things about never running away no matter how scared you were i learned that from him no matter how scared he literally told me that he peed his pants multiple times he was so scared he was terrified wow he still ran out under fire to drag wounded people back to get treated. He was a medic. And so he taught me that you don't run away from fear and you'd never abandon your duty. I want to unpack a little bit more of the sales piece though, because yeah. I want to dive into, because I don't think we've covered this yet. The four words that you can use within the first minute of your sales presentation. I did cover them. We explore together, share. Okay. Before we begin this exploration together, I just want to invite you to please share the questions that naturally arise when a great decision is being made. So we explore together. Invite, share. Okay. Changing our thought patterns, changing the way in which we do this. Not that we want to put a timestamp on it, but if we haven't done this before, how much time or what should we do to start that process so we can hit the ground running, not two years from now, but say in 2022, this is what we're going to do to make a difference. Interesting. You should ask because I have a wonderful gift for your listeners so they continue to learn from me. Absolutely complimentary. Some people would say, if it's so good, why is it complimentary? I say, because what I teach is so outrageous and so off the wall. If I don't give you free stuff, you can immediately, I mean, right after you've consumed it, go out and use you have no reason to believe every word I tell you. So if you want to get my five-part Invisible Influence series, if what I've said has piqued your curiosity, has resonated with you, if you want to close more or get more sales, higher ticket sales, sell more, sell quicker, sell faster, sell more numbers, then I invite you to get my Invisible Influence series. It's really easy. If you're in the United States, text the word COMPEL, C-O-M-P-E-L, to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321 to receive my Invisible Influence series and other resources that are going to blow your mind, get you going. If you're outside of the United States, text 909 741 1321 909-741-1321, and we'll get it to you through WhatsApp. Make sure that you give us your best email because that's how we'll deliver the goods. And we'll make sure that we post that information again in the show notes after today. Right. So that you have that information. So if you're listening while you're doing whatever you do 
best or when you're on your walk or whatever, you don't have to stop and try and write that down. We'll make sure that the information is right there for you in the show notes. Paul, this has been a great discussion as always. Any final thoughts before I turn you loose onto the world to continue to disrupt? (laughs) (laughs) I do have a final thought. It's the very ways of thinking, acting, perceive in our world that stands so far outside of what we're used to doing that hold the potential for bringing results they're so far outside of those we're used to enjoying so whether you found what i've said today resonating in a way where you realize it's absolutely true or whether you've come to the conclusion that this is a little bit odd paul's a bit off his rocker I want you to get excited about the opportunity that's right at your fingertips to learn more from me Thank you so much, Paul, for being my guest. As always, this was a total blast. I can't wait till the next time. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I'll be on again, man. Thanks so much, Paul. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. 